everyone? Welcome to the fourth episode of another progressive podcast. I'm your host, Max Deutsch. Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming back if you joined us before. Welcome to the show if this is your first time listening. So just to get right into it, this is going to be a different episode, a little different than the, the first three episodes, specifically because I'm not going to be going very in-depth into a broad uh, topic or argument or issue. This is going to be a, a shorter podcast focus on a much more direct argument that these new right intellectuals make, or as we'll see, kind of don't make. I'll explain that in a bit. So what is the argument? I'm going to just cut to the chase. And it's essentially the argument revolving around the kind of classic implicit bias resume study, which for those who don't know, essentially it's a 2004 study, which they sent out 5,000 resumes to 1,300 employment ads. Some of the resumes had the white names Greg and Emily, and then they, they sent out identical resumes with the name Lakeisha and Jamal. And essentially, their basic findings were that white applicants received 50% more callbacks than black applicants. So Ben Shapiro and Larry Elder also, but this is going to be focused on, on Ben Shapiro specifically, um, and kind of just people, conservatives and their followers in general, don't agree with this study and the times it's been replicated, they have a response to this. And why am I focusing on this very specific response to this very specific study or, or type of study? So I'm going to tell a little story because it's my podcast and I'll tell a story if I want to tell a story. And it goes back to a week ago where I'm on Reddit doing my thing and I see a post about systemic racism. And it's essentially someone saying, look, I'm kind of on the fence. I don't fully understand systemic racism. Give me some arguments pro-systemic racism, some uh, some arguments con uh, why it doesn't exist. So I made a couple points, some of the stuff I've mentioned in my previous podcasts. And then I got a couple of responses. And so one person who responded uh, said, there's maybe not some argument, there's no impact on past racism anymore today. So I gave a kind of very well thought out answer, I think, in my opinion, as well thought out. I made a number of like actual, like I gave like two whole paragraphs of, of actual arguments. And then in the end, I made a very quick, like two sentence comment about the implicit bias study that I just mentioned. And so let me tell you what this person responded. So first of all, they totally ignored the actual arguments made, the, the well thought out arguments I made. And they responded, and I quote, I can destroy the resume study argument. I can destroy the resume study argument. And then they said, you know, give me an hour and I'll, I'll post my response. So the second I saw that, I knew the argument he was going to make. I knew he watched videos of Ben Shapiro making this argument. And I'm sure he might have even watched a, a video of Ben Shapiro destroys implicit bias argument. Or, you know, de- destroys college student about on, on implicit bias. Because, again, and this is one of the reasons why I think this is an important episode, focusing, even though it's on a very specific topic, is kind of shows the way that young conservatives are digesting this information, that they're just hearing this information, they're hearing this language of destroying the libs, and they're just spitting it back out. So what's the argument he was going to make? So I knew the argument he was going to make was one that it's essentially, it's class discrimination, not racial discrimination. What does that mean? So as the study found, and the study's been replicated, so the study used names like Lakeisha and Jamal. So the argument is that 
um, the discrimination found in these studies is actually because Lakeisha and Jamal in are lower are names that are found lower in the socioeconomic status. So when employers are not giving them callbacks, it's class discrimination, not race discrimination. And lo and behold, an hour later, he comments, and that's the exact argument he makes. But what makes this even better is that not only did he make the argument, he also cited a source and posted a link in his comment. I clicked the link, and it was not a study. It was a review of a study. So in a journal, someone reviewed this study. And guess which study it was? It was, I'll tell you what it wasn't. It was not a study that had anything to do to prove that it's class discrimination in resume disparities and not race discrimination. What the, what the, the article he sent me was a review of the 2004 study, the study which found that the disparity in callbacks between black and white applicants is due to racism and implicit bias in racism. And that study, the 2004 study, to be clear, found that there is little evidence that social background drives the extent of the discrimination. And again, they say in their abstract, we find little evidence that our results are driven by employers inferring something other than race, such as social class, from the names. So this guy cited a source that proved him wrong, that, that, that found the opposite of what he was trying to say. And I think what I think the reason is this, that he heard this argument from Ben Shapiro. He knew he was going to destroy this argument because I'm sure he's heard Ben Shapiro make it multiple times. And then he thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to find a source to back me up. He probably typed on Google, black sounding resume study, social class. And I, that's what I typed into Google. And it, this this review is the third thing that pops up. So I assume he just searched that up, copied that link, and made the argument. And then when I called him out on this and I pointed out uh, what his citation actually said, and I made some other arguments that I'm going to make later, he deleted his comments and just deleted everything he said because I, I guess I, I caught him in his lie. So I'm not telling this story just to brag. It's partially to brag, but... Again, like I said, I think it's indicative of this kind of the type of people who are the new younger conservatives who are digesting Ben Shapiro and Charlie Kirk and Candace Owens. This is there is no kind of critical thinking stemming from listening to these people. It's just pure talking points and spitting back information. And so one of the reasons why I want to do the show is that if you take those talking points and look at those talking points and find all the flaws in them, you know the arguments these people are going to make before they make them, and you know how to respond to them. So that's a seven-minute introduction into why the implicit bias or the rejection of the implicit bias study is flawed. So let's look at some of the arguments they actually make. First, I'm going to play a video from Charlie Kirk. And it's an interesting video because it's kind of what's important here is the argument he doesn't make and what he doesn't show and what he doesn't talk about. So for context, both earlier in the summer, there was a video, an animated video, I'm sure many of you saw that came out, that was like a four-minute animated video uh, called like Systemic Racism, Systemic Racism Explained. So with Charlie Kirk and Ben Shapiro did videos where they play the video and then respond to it. So here's a clip from Charlie Kirk's response to the Systemic Racism video. Implicit bias is garbage science. There is no data to back up the assertion 
that white people have some sort of implicit bias behind their decision making. So then he says this, he says, well, this is why the black unemployment rate is twice that of the white unemployment rate without offering any sort of data to support that. So really quickly, because I don't want to spend too much time on this. This is just, this is really ridiculous. This claim he makes about implicit bias for a number of reasons. And again, this is not a video on implicit bias, but because he makes this statement, I have to point it out. He says, it's garbage science. There's no data to back it up. Well, if you check out my Facebook, my Twitter, I'll be posting the source sheet where I found four separate neurological studies looking at the neuroscience of race and implicit bias. And there's many more than these four, all of which find neurological evidence that people have these kind of implicit discrimination, these implicit biases. So it's just pure nonsense, and I don't know where he gets that information to say that it's garbage science. There's no data on it. There's plenty of data on it. And second, the next part, next point he makes is that this video makes the assertion that implicit bias plays a role in black unemployment rate but provides no evidence for that and no data for that. So the weird thing is that the video, right after the video makes plays the implicit bias part, implicit bias part, it then talks about the resume study and how that plays a role in black graduates ending up possibly more unemployed compared to white graduates. But Charlie Kirk doesn't play that part of the video. He skips that part of the video when he's reviewing it. So I've been called out in the past for saying that Charlie Kirk and these people are lying and calling, saying, saying they lie when they make these kind of some factual mistakes or factual errors. And that maybe I shouldn't say they're lying, that maybe they're just, they're just mistaken. Well, this is a situation where I actually do think he's lying. Because he watched the video himself. He edited it. He chose what to respond to. And he chose to edit out the part where they give evidence for implicit bias in discrimination. In resume discrimination. He just, and he says that the video provides none. So his tens of thousands or millions of viewers who watch this because it's on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook, they haven't seen the original video. And so they just think, oh, classic lib, you know, libtard video, not giving any evidence. And that there's no, and they think there's no evidence for implicit bias because Charlie Kirk just edited out the part of the video that actually shows there is implicit bias. So that's just really not, I don't want to spend any more time looking at that. And let's move on to some of the actual arguments then that Ben Shapiro makes. In 2017, Ben Shapiro, I found a tweet where he or he retweeted an article that had a title about a, a researcher who found that these resume studies might actually be explained by class and social economic status and not race. And so in, in 2017, Ben Shapiro retweeted this article and he uh, said, or it's titled, as I've been saying for years. So again, this he's in 2017 saying he's been making this argument for years. And as we'll see in a bit, He's still making the argument in 2020, just a couple months ago. So the article he shared was, to be clear, not a peer-reviewed study or anything, just a researcher named Yuri Simonson who looks at an actual peer-reviewed study. And so this, this article that Ben Shapiro quoted or retweeted is a sort of review of an actual study. So this actual study looked at the callback rates and resumes of people with post-secondary degrees and without post-secondary degrees, 
And one of its minor findings, because they looked at different factors in their, in their data, was that race didn't have an impact on resume callbacks. So this is kind of big news because kind of the, the general assumption uh, before this had been that there is discrimination in resume callbacks based on race. So this Simonson, this researcher, this statistician, wanted to figure out why. So he did his own survey to test the socioeconomic status hypothesis, and he used the names that the uh, post-secondary degree study used. And so he found that the lower callback rates for Jamal and Lakeisha in the classic 2004 paper and the successful replications are as consistent with the racial, with racial as with socioeconomic status discrimination. The socioeconomic status account parsimoniously also explained also explains as one failure to replicate the effect. But this conclusion is tentative at best. We are comparing studies that differ on many dimensions, and the new study had some noteworthy glitches. So essentially, what he's saying is that the names used in this new study uh, are names that, based on his tests and surveys, are not names that evokes lower socioeconomic status. But he also then makes clear, though, that it's not that these that any discrimination based on these names is not racial. It's just that it's racial. It's equally racial discrimination and socioeconomics discrimination. So again, it doesn't mean it's socioeconomic status and not and not race. They're just equally. Uh, when someone when employers read these names, they read black name and they read poor name. And I'm going to get to that at the end. But also, he makes clear that. He's talking about this one study that found this. This is not. This is a conclusion about this one study, and a failure, and the failure to replicate the race discrimination in this one specific study. And it's not. He's saying it's not indicative. Does not represent the entire field of implicit bias resume studies. And he points out this one specific glitch that this main study had, and this. It's a pretty big problem with this study that he says seems to invalidate. Uh, this their findings, and that is that that their their program cannot differentiate Hispanic from black resumes. This glitch generates another possible explanation. Blacks may have been discriminated against, just like in the original, but Hispanics were discriminated in favor by a larger amount, so that when it collapsed into a single group, the negative effect is not observable. Essentially, what this means is that this study counted Hispanic resumes and black resumes together. So, if let's say Many more black resumes were discriminated against, but many Hispanic resumes were not discriminated against. It might have just reduced the amount of resumes that it seemed were discriminated against. And so it seems as if black resumes are not discriminated against. I don't know if that makes sense, but again, it's in the source sheet. You can look it up yourself. And now that we've gone through that, and just sort of, because that's sort of the earliest I, uh, example I could find of Ben making this argument. Let's look at his more, I don't want to say thought out, but more explained or more drawn out argument that he makes in his response to the systemic racism video. The research is actually a lot more interesting than what is being portrayed in this video. There are several studies here. There was one famous study that was done that suggested that first name differentiation was indeed being used by employers. So if your name was Lakeisha, for example, this is the name that is actually used in the study. Lakeisha versus Greg. 
that you are less likely to get a callback. There's another study that showed a historically black last name like Washington or Jefferson provided no actual differentiation from historically white names, a Greenberg, for example. So if your name was Steve Greenberg versus Steve Jefferson, you're just as likely to get a callback as Steve Jefferson. What that suggests, and this was confirmed by subsequent studies, is that the actual issue here is a question of class discrimination, not an issue of race discrimination. In other words, the reason that people are discriminating against Lakeisha as opposed to against Steve Johnson or Steve Washington is because people are actually using the first name as a stand-in for social class. They are figuring that if you were named Lakeisha, it's because you probably came from a more impoverished background. I'm going to take that response and break it up into two sections, mainly responding to the two different studies that Ben cites here. Because in the episode the video description he does cite this the studies he's talking about that make the argument that it's actually class and not race because if you look at black last names and you use resumes with black last names such as jefferson and washington you don't find discrimination and so that highlights that it's there's something else about the race of the first names about the first names that isn't race that's leading to a disparity and they're saying that's class so the first study that Ben cites. And then also I want to point out that Larry Elder, I found a number of instances of him citing it on Twitter and Facebook. It's a study by researchers from the University of Missouri. And so they wanted to address the possibility that poorer first names are the deciding factor in these resume studies. And it's not the race of the, of the first names. So what they did was they chose white first names like Ryan and Chloe, and they used them with black last names like Washington and Jefferson. And when they did this, they found no statistical evidence of discrimination. But, however, one of the researchers, researchers himself says that it would be crazy to interpret the results to, to suggest hiring discrimination is a problem of the past. People should not overreact to this study, but I think it is a data point to be considered when thinking about discrimination in the labor market today. So this is a really important point that I, I really want to highlight, and I think it it's true for all the, the different studies and the way that Ben Shapiro and this whole new right, the way they talk about studies and research, is that researchers are not trying to own the libs. They're not trying to destroy leftists. They're not trying to prove them wrong and prove that conservatives are right or that racism doesn't exist. That's not, their, that's not the point of their research. They are much more nuanced about it because they understand that their research they're just adding in a factor to a conversation of, of different studies or trying to bring in a new insight or maybe even change the direction a little bit, but they're not trying to prove anyone wrong for the most part. And so to think about it, I, I want a quote that I think uh, is important to remember here is that only a Sith deals in absolutes. And that Ben Shapiro and Charlie Crick, when they bring up this data and they say, this proves this, this proves X, they're misrepresenting the data because it doesn't, it's not just saying this. It's simply, it's a more nuanced, it's a lot more nuanced to it. Okay. That being said, let's also look at, at the criticism of this Missouri study that the researchers themselves acknowledge. He admitted that it is a fair criticism of the study that Washington and Jefferson are not as indicative of race as names like, as first names Lakeisha and Jamal. But the researchers argue, and they say this in their paper, that this flaw would need their research to have an error rate of 60% to invalidate the findings. And they say, this isn't the case. We don't think we have an error rate of 60%. So take, remember that 60% number. Because there was a, another researcher around a year later in the article or the journal Association 
actually looked at their study and wanted to and wanted to address this possible flaw. What he did was he found that the four exact first and last name combinations that they used as black names, along with 10 other name combinations, that most respondents did not read the four names as intended. Meaning that this guy did a survey where he provided these names to, to people and said, are these black names? And people did not read them as black names. And he found that the overall error rate for those name combinations is 59.7%, or nearly 60%. So he found that there actually was a 60% error rate in their study. So just to kind of clarify what his study found is that Ryan Jackson and Ryan Washington were identified as African-American less than a third of the time and thought to belong to white individuals nearly two-thirds of the time. Chloe Jackson and Chloe Washington were read as intended somewhat more often. Respondents thought of these names as belonging to black individuals about half the time. However, together, the four black names were perceived as black only 40.3% of the time overall, yielding an error rate of 59.7% among the full sample. So this shows that the Missouri study that Ben cites actually does have a 60% error rate. And in the Missouri study, University of Missouri study, they claim that if our study has a 60% error rate, that means, our, that means that our findings would actually be in line with that original 2004 study which found that racial discrimination is the cause. So the fact that this guy found a 60% error rate in their study seems to suggest that the 2004 study is right. And this is really interesting. And again, these studies have been out for a couple years already. I think there was, this response has been out for two or three years, so Ben's had plenty of time to look it up. It's very easy to find these things. It's just Google. Next, let's look at the second argue or the second study that he 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 cites and it's by it's a 2007 study by a researcher named Stephen Michael Gaddis and now Stephen Michael Gaddis when researching this topic it's actually interesting he's kind of the one researcher to like in the past couple of years to actually be constantly addressing this question of socioeconomic status and names so Ben cites Gaddis's 2017 study in which his 2017 study does seem to suggest that it's the last names and that it's, it's, it's not class, but socioeconomic status. However, Gaddis has updated his research. So I'm going to look at Gaddis's most recent studies on this, his most recent research. And that's from 2019. He found that black and Hispanic names are much more likely to be perceived as lower or working class than white names, which are overwhelmingly perceived as middle or upper class. These perceptions are independent of the effect of population-based socioeconomic naming patterns. So what he's saying is that, well, yes, there may be a class aspect to the name and that these names may have socioeconomic associations. There is still a stigma around black and Hispanic names that is separate from social class and that is, rel and that is happening and that stigma is playing out in these resume callback disparities. So the same researcher that Ben cites, if you look at his recent research, he's updated his 2017 study, found that there is still racial discrimination in the resume study. And again, I want to point out, this study came out in 2019. Ben's video came out in June of 2020. So over a year to have looked this up and researched it again, but he didn't. Not, it's not even worth going into. I assume he saw the study once, but didn't research it anymore after that. 
And then Gaddis also had uh, Gaddis had another 2019 study where he looks at more broadly this entire the the practice of these resume studies, what are called audits, where essentially of just sending out a ton of resumes and using that as your data. And so he has another article where he says that these are great experiments and they provide a lot of relevant information and really important information and findings. But he he wants to open up the conversation. That's a lot of his work when he's talking about socioeconomic status being playing a role in name discrimination is that, again, he's not trying to prove anyone wrong, but he's just trying to open up the conversation and look at this from a different light and see how this plays in. He's not trying to prove the audit studies that find race discrimination in names wrong. He's not trying to do that. He's very open about it. If you read, he has many studies on this. He's not trying to do that. And so what he says is that there, there should also be a couple of different types of tests done in addition to the resume, to setting out resumes, to kind of get a broader, a broader picture of what's happening. And he states that there's only one article that has successfully done this. And so let's look at that one study that he, that he says does this. And this is the study that I think is kind of a smoking gun in this situation. So it's a 2016 study from Administrative Science Quarterly, which did a similar resume test, but they looked at two ways of, of whitening a resume. The first is the classic changing the name, but they also added in omitting experience, meaning leaving out black student groups or community organizations. So let's say you're a black student and you were part of the uh, black student union. You just t you don't put that in your resume and you leave out or, you know anything that mentions black or African American or that's you know sort of explicitly black in your resume. So that let's look at so what this study kind of found. So for black applicants, and they also did this for Asian applicants too, and they, they had similar findings for Asian applicants, but the, 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 the discrimination and disparities they found is higher for, for black applicants. So they used the name Lamar Smith, and this is also really important because they chose Lamar as the first name because it, because it is distinctively African-American, but does not send a strong signal of low socioeconomic status. And guess where they got that factoid from one of Gaddis's studies. So this is using the exact same standard Ben set up using Gaddis. And Gaddis found that Lamar is a black name that does not have a, does not send a signal of low socio socioeconomic status. So what are their findings? That whitened resumes led to more callbacks than unwhitened resumes. For blacks, the callback gap between unwhitened, unwhitened resumes and those for which both the name and the experiences were whitened was 15.5 percentage points. Black applicants who whitened their, res their experiences but not their first name received more callbacks than those who did not whiten at all. So to kind of unpack that, that by whitening their experiences, when black applicants whiten their experiences, they are perceived as less black by hirers since they don't have the explicit indicator of their blackness. So when their experiences are unwhitened, conversely, they're explicitly stating that they are black. When, you, when they say, I am part of the Black Student Union, that is explicitly stating that they are black. So the fact that black applicants who remove the more explicit indicator of blackness from their experiences are more likely to get a callback suggests that regardless of name, employers discriminate against applicants at the very mention of the applicant being black. And then remember that even when the black applicant whitened their resume, whitened their experience, and so they just had a black name, 
that these researchers used a black name that is not indicative of low socioeconomic status, yet they were still a disparity, which means that employers were discriminating against the name Lamar, and there, according to Gaddis, which Ben cites, there is no discrimination, or there could not be discrimination on socioeconomic status because it is not a name that is of lower socioeconomic status. So that really, I think, just kind of highlights that this is really, it is just a racial thing. There is racism and implicit bias in hiring practices. But that's not the end of it. Because there's one more argument that Ben makes. And it's a really, really weird one. And I'll explain why. Take a listen. Now, this is not restricted to the black community. This happens in the Jewish community as well. If you get an applicant and the applicant's name is Ben, you might treat that applicant different than if that person's name is Ben Yamin. You might treat a Menachem different than you treat a Mike. And that is because you are trying to read into the person your perceptions of culture or perceptions of class, not really perceptions of race. So for most people, that argument is just going to fly over their heads. They'll hear it and they'll think, oh, okay, yeah, the Jews, I guess that's a thing. But I do like to think here that I actually might have a little knowledge of this. Um... I'm Jewish. I come from a pretty identical communal and religious background as Ben. He's from a modern Orthodox community in LA. I'm from a modern Orthodox community in New York. I know the religious Jewish world and the, what happens. And name discrimination based on class is just not a thing. I've never heard of it being a thing that someone named Menachem is viewed to be lower class. And that people are being discriminated against in their jobs because of their Jewish Hebrew name. While it is a thing that there are people with Jewish names who will use a secular name in the workforce, it's not because of any class discrimination. It's just a matter of wanting to be more kind of more integrated in the in the mainstream workforce. So I just don't know where Ben got this. It's just it's not it's pure makeup, make believe that Jews are being discriminated against based on class. In fact, I found a study from 2014 that found that while on resumes, every single religious group is discriminated against, Jews are the only religious group that are actually viewed more favorably when their Jewishness is on their resume. And that was a, a, similar to the previous study. That was about being part of a Jewish organization. But still, so it's not only is it just not a thing, there's actually evidence that the opposite is true, that if you have a Jewish name, you might actually be viewed more favorably and get better treatment based on that. But again, yeah, it's just such a strange argument he would make. It's total, it's just not true, it's nonsense. But also, if you want to think of it as a comparison to the black names, if someone named Menachem is discriminated against based on their name, it's not because of class, it's because of anti-Semitism. That's the only explanation because, again, unless Ben can find me a study that shows that high employers are have a class association, a lower class association with the name Menachem, it's, it'd be pure anti-Semitism. So similarly, if an employer is discriminating against someone named Jamal or Lakeisha, it's because of race, it's racism. So it's just a terrible, terrible comparison argument for Ben to make. And there's just no evidence, I looked it up, there's just no study, nothing to suggest that Jewish names are associated with lower socioeconomic status. It's just not a thing. So it's just a terrible, terrible argument. So as I promised, this is going to be a shorter episode. I'm almost done. Let's just, I want a, a couple closing thoughts. So first of all, 
why does this matter? Besides the fact that this is, again, just sort of another example of the ways that they are, Ben Shapiro was just so wrong and so fundamentally wrong. Uh, I want to look at this study and this type of this discrimination in the view of systemic racism. In 2017, there was a study done that looked at uh, 24 studies containing 30 estimates of discrimination against African-American and Latinos since 1989, together representing 54,318 applications submitted for 25,517 positions. And that they, uh, so these researchers looked at all the studies they could find doing this resume study, and their findings were that, on average, white applicants received 36% more callbacks than equally qualified African Americans, and so do we find evidence of change over time in rates of hiring discrimination? With, with respect to African Americans, the answer is no. So we see just here over like a 30-year period, this same discrimination based on race happening in thousands of jobs in all different sectors. And another really important point that this study found, and that also the, the study regarding the widened experience, these both found that even with pro-diversity employers, employers who are supposedly affirmative action employers, the rates of discrimination are just as high as there. So when a lot of these conservatives are talking about conservative uh, affirmative action, that's reverse racism. Well, maybe no, because there's seems to be data to suggest that employers are who claim to be following affirmative action are just still discriminating against black applicants. So when you think about just again this being systemic, this is a, this is not proof of systemic racism. This does not mean there is systemic racism, but when you view this in light of many different things, it just, again, paints a clearer picture. And so it just further highlights the, and I spoke about this in my first episode, the bizarre nature to which these conservative intellectuals refuse to acknowledge these things exist, that systemic racism exists. I don't really understand to the full extent as to why they have to deny it. All the, the jumps in logic and the misrepresentations of fact, I, facts, I don't know. Yeah, it's just really, really, really bizarre. And I, I just don't get why so many people are listening to them. So with that, I think I'm going to end it. My final word here is just, if you're listening, do your own research. It's really easy to find a lot of these things. If you listen to Ben Shapiro, or if you listen to even someone on the left, always do your own research and always check the sources that people cite. So with that, yeah, uh, thank you for listening. Again, I cite all my sources on my Facebook and Twitter, another progressive podcast. Like, follow, subscribe to the show. I'm probably doing another episode in the next couple weeks. So please come back. Tell a friend. If you have a friend who's a fan of these uh, conservative intellectuals, show them the show. I generally want people who actually do listen to these people to hear the show, and I want to hear their feedback. So give them my Facebook and Twitter because I do want to hear what their thoughts are. And thanks, y'all.